0: I prefer a cloud-based system that will back up the most important stuff for you.
1: And I'll disagree with Curtis here.
0: Okay. I, what? Oh, oh, here we go.
1: <laughs> right. I, I agree that to some extent, yes, SaaS based is good.
0: I just muted your microphone persona.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Curtis.
0: <laughs> I've
1: <laughs> right. never done that. That was
0: fun. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and have with me my close personal friend, but a guy who's impossible to get an actual date with, Prasanna Maliandi. How's it going, Prasanna?
1: Oh, Curtis, I'm good. I know the fact that you came all the way up to Santa Clara to visit the office, and we didn't get a chance to meet.
0: Uh, And how many times has that happened? I'm just saying.
1: We did. No, no, no. I think last time you came up, we did meet. Because remember, we did the photo
0: shoot. Okay. All right. That doesn't yes. count. The photo shoot doesn't count.
1: It does. I think so. <laughs> and then the time before, we met twice. So I think that I get to carry over one of those. But you were also busy. You were also... Still
0: feeling busy. a little butthurt. But you were also busy with your Can't dinners. A date and... with my friend. <laughs> By the way, my friend, whose wife isn't even in town. Like... <laughs> It, I, who who took who took priority over hanging out with me what entity <laughs> I, I i i want you to say publicly what entity took priority over hanging out with me the dog the dog yeah yeah <laughs> the dog you had something to do with the dog and so that was more important than hanging out with me but whatever i'm not hurt clearly i'm not hurt at all
1: I love you. Whatever.
0: <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> All right. So our guest is like, what have I wandered into? Uh, so <clears throat> so uh, we actually have, uh, this is one of the few times where I was on our guest's podcast and now he's on my podcast. Mark Schreiner is a strategic sales director for MemoQ, a leading translation management system and host of the Secure Talk podcast, which is how we came to meet. I got to go over and talk about backups on his podcast, and then he got to come here. He's now on my podcast to talk about security. Uh, He graduated from Penn State University with a bachelor's degree in liberal arts and sciences. In 2022, he completed Harvard's cybersecurity managing risk in the Information Age diploma program. Welcome to the podcast, (laughs) Mark Schreiner.
2: Thank you, Curtis, and thank you, Prasanna. It's uh, actually I've had fun kind of watching you guys with the intro there. You seem like an old married couple or something. We're <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> an old married couple that never sees each other. Yeah, right. Because yeah. because Prasanna lives in and you know what is it? It's a Santa Clara. Yeah, Santa Honestly. Clara. Yeah, he lives in Santa Clara. I live in San Diego. And you live a little bit farther north, as I recall, up in Seattle.
2: Yes, yes. And I'm envious of both of your weather. <laughs> um, I, I actually, to be honest with you, I just spent the last three months traveling between Arizona, uh, S- St. George, Utah, Las Vegas, and San Diego and Los Angeles, all in that area for three months for business and for some personal business. And in in, in three months, we had like five cloudy, rainy days. (laughs) And I got back here at the beginning of May thinking like, hey, it's safe to come back to Seattle. Wrong. No. (laughs) No.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Seattle is one of those places where when it is sunny, it is just one of the most beautiful places on earth, right? I I remember. And and I think I told you on when I was on your podcast that I I did some work for Amazon back in 1998. I, I put in for the record, I put in their first enterprise wide backup system and um i was there in the summer right and not a single cloudy day for 3 months and it was like it's i perfect. said the mo- yeah. you know going up to mount rainier and going yeah. out on the sound and watching them throw the fish there at, uh, <laughs> it's uh the like place market of course hanging out at the bubblegum wall i'm just saying i like i like seattle yeah, I went for Starbucks. A trip.
1: Yeah, I went up for a trip I think like 4 years ago around this time in May and like the weather was gorgeous, like perfectly sunny and I was asking everyone, I was like, "What are you guys complaining about? The weather is gorgeous." They're like, <laughs> "You just ended up being here on like the perfect week."
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah it, in contrast, <laughs> right now in Seattle in San Diego, we are in the middle of what we call May gray and then next next month will be June gloom. Uh, This is the worst time of the year to actually visit San Diego. I mean, you can get sunny days, but there will be, you know, multiple days in a row where it's just 100% overcast. Is it, Uh, is it because
2: of the fog that comes in or is it just overcast and gray?
0: it's overcast and gray um mm-hmm. it's not it's not so the fog we call that the marine layer uh the marine layer generally burns off after around 9 or 10 if you have if you have a strong marine layer and and, and it's just weird because there's no rain connected with it it's just sort of gloomy you know um and uh it, it just is what it is and you know and i, I talk Seattle to people weather? all the time they're like <laughs> yeah yeah um and it, and it just Uh, people will come here. It's like, I thought you guys were sunny. I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you. It's, it's May Gray, man. Welcome to San Diego. Whenever
2: I've been in San Diego, it's always been sunny. And I come down there three or four times a year. I'll be there twice this summer for, for soccer, for my son's soccer tournaments. Uh, But I I love it. So I'm curious, what drew you to cybersecurity? Uh, Well, a couple different things. I think uh, uh, in 2017, we were moving back from a nine-year um, stint in Asia, moving back to the States. And a good friend of mine uh, had a company that would be, was becoming a Microsoft cybersecurity compliance partner. Um, he was looking for some help on the business development side. And, um, and, I, and I started to take a look. The more I researched, the more um, interested I became because, you know, cybersecurity is something that can go a mile wide and, and, and then also a mile deep in any one of those things. If you want to talk about, you know, pen testing, uh, backups, um, encryption, different, you know, compliance organizations, you can just go in so many uh, uh, data loss prevention, endpoint protection. I mean, you can go so many different directions mm-hmm. and then each one of those, you can go down these super deep rabbit holes. And I, I like learning. The other thing I, I that I find interesting about cybersecurity back then and now is that before I think we thought that this is the you know cybersecurity. There was a couple people in the back in the corner of the IT department that that their job is cybersecurity, but everybody in an organization needs to have some type of awareness and responsibility for security. But beyond that. Us as individuals and consumers, we need to be aware of some security best practices. And so it affects everybody's life. And it's something that, you know, 30 years ago, nobody was talking about because there was no internet. And now it's hugely important with the internet, social media, everything. I have three children. And they need to know some best practices about, you know, what does a phishing campaign look like or a phishing attack look like? What, you know, how do they protect their passwords? What should they shouldn't do with their with their mobile devices, et cetera? So it affects everybody. And it's just this like new field that was created pr- partially based upon the explosion of the internet and IoT. So um, I think we're just getting started in both in terms of understanding the, the threat uh, landscape, but also the um, the best practices for prevention. Does that make sense?
1: Do you see that a lot of this, I know it's an interesting point you made that it's rolling into consumers, like everyone has to start caring about this like every day. Do you start to find that that's actually happening? Or, or are people sort of like, yeah, that's just something that a company has to worry about, or a business has to worry about, or like this large C- CEO has to worry about, not necessarily me.
2: Well, yeah. And let me answer that by backing up even farther. I think in companies right now, it, where it used to be the perception that it was part of the IT teams or the you know the CISO's job, there is an, a growing or increasing awareness that it's everybody's responsibilities. And so you'll have not only you have like structured educational um, mm. you know programs, but you'll have like simulated phishing campaigns and things like that. So enterprise wide. And, and if you get the CEO and he he clicks on the wrong thing and boom, guess what? You got to go to training. You're you know you're you're doing timeout. Um, and companies try to make that fun. So in companies, it's becoming uh, I guess increasingly common for people to accept that everybody has a responsibility. If you find a thumb drive in the parking lot, don't just walk in and stick it in your company's <laughs> device, right? You know. And, and 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 sharing those stories. You know, it's funny because. I remember growing up and listening to my my grandparents tell stories about this accident, that accident, this person who did something good, did something bad, and we learn from those stories. And I think when we share these stories about hacks, or you know, the, the famous story about somebody finding a thumb drive and then putting it in their device and then you know it, downloading some malware inadvertently, we learn from that. And those stories are important. So that's one method of, uh, or one I guess, data point. Come, people in organizations are becoming increasingly aware. Individuals, I think, are also becoming extreme, uh, increasingly aware. Let's start off with high net worth individuals, where they are very much in the sights of um, targeted phishing, spear phishing campaigns, right? And so there are certain tools and methods and processes out there to help these people at least become aware of what's, what the threat looks like. But beyond that, I think um, just the general public, you know, if I look at my kids, they are pretty suspicious and kind of cynical and almost <laughs> jaded uh, in terms of like, "Look at this, they'll show me stuff." They're like, look at this, you know it's just it, and because it's obviously it's a scam. And so I think it's um, people are becoming increasingly aware. At the same time, you still hear of you know consumers every day, you know, for example, they're 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 transferring money to a title agency and somebody spoofs the uh, the address. Uh, the, where they're supposed to, there the account information, that kind of stuff is happening. And so, um, yes and no to answer your yeah. question. I think people are becoming more aware, but there's we have a long, a long to ways wait. to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there, there was a study back in 2016 uh, from the University of Michigan where they left a series of USB drives <laughs> that had that had an HTML in there. That if you open up an HTML, it had an image tag. So they were able to identify um how many people actually clicked on the thing what do you suppose the percentage was of the people that that well you know university
2: of michigan that's uh that's what big big 10 uh, those guys probably <laughs> i'm west coast so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i um i'm afraid to
0: guess what what was it it was half wow that was in what year uh 2016 Wow, two hundred ninety-seven USB drives around the urbana Champagne. cat These are college kids, <laughs> right? These are at the, you know, one
2: of the best universities in the country. Yep. Wow. exactly. <laughs> they said they
0: found that forty-eight percent of the drives were picked up and plugged into a computer, some within minutes of being dropped.
2: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, just, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully the situation or the the awareness is is getting better. I mean, I look at little things like. Um, Turning on MFAs uh, or multi-factor authentication, two-factor authentications, for just any any uh, obviously any bank accounts, but any any of your online um, tools or apps, just turn it on. You know, yeah, exactly. uh, it's a simple thing that's going to stop ninety nine percent. But some people, are, well, it's a hassle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah. if your if your account gets compromised, then then th- that's going to be a hassle. So,
0: yeah, yeah I, I I mentioned on on this podcast a few times that I went from being Kind of an NFA noob, I don't know, four or five years ago, to slowly, uh, and then and then it sort of, it was sort of a snowball situation, right? And I ended mm-hmm. up rolling MFA anywhere it mattered, right? um And the because I have, oh Lord, I have like eight hundred accounts <laughs> at. I'm, I'm not kidding. I have a password manager, so I you know I can pull it up and see it, and I have. Uh, just just hundreds and hundreds of accounts at random places where I. What don't are you ever... doing, man? I, <laughs> I, I just well, it's just stuff anyway. Persona, anyway, persona, practice... you gotta
2: tell me. Curtis is into some shady stuff, man. If he's got eight hundred accounts. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> well, well, I'm just hoping he talks about his experience with MFA. Yeah, yeah. yeah so the story. And,
0: and, and so <laughs> I, I, I don't. My point. My point of mentioning how many accounts I have. I don't have. MFA on most of those, right? Because there's stuff where I, I don't, there's no information. I'm just anyway, but I, I did roll out MFA, uh, everywhere. And I, I used Google authenticator and wherever I could, because of what I knew about that using Google authenticator over, uh, a text based MFA. And, and by the way, I, I, I don't know if, well, I'd like to come back to that idea, but, but here's what happened. Um, I got a new phone. And I got locked out of all my accounts. <laughs> so, oh no! Because I didn't know, I didn't know what I didn't know, and so I, um, I when I re when I rolled that out again, uh, I switched to uh, Authy as an app, which allows you to back up the stuff and try, You know, anyway, yeah. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of MFA, and and I've mentioned before that I went from kind of being a noob to being very angry if there's a if there's a company that I'm interacting with where things matter and they don't have, uh, the authenticator style of, of, uh, MFA persona, you're, you're, you're up on this stuff. So here's, here's the thing. I'm wondering if there's a company that offers multiple methods of authentication, um, like my, my, my credit union, uh, they have my phone and uh, they, they use, uh, they have an authenticator method where, you get a you get the little six-digit code if you uh, pull up their app on your phone. I prefer that method. I use that method whenever I can. But should I be bothered by the fact that they also support SMS? Like there's no way to disable the fact that they have I, SMS. I,
1: I would be a little worried just because the number of sort of SIM swap attacks that are happening these days. Like you hear it all the time when it comes to crypto right Mm -hmm. with all these hacks where someone sim swaps with someone else gets the authenticator code cleans out their wallet right their bitcoin wallet so i think it is common right and even t mobile right was accused of allowing uh porting out of numbers as well right that's another thing that can happen
0: right so so you so you think i should be worried i don't know what i could do yeah and
1: it also depends to what extent like some random person going after you specifically Curtis right the like likelihood... big deal <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> right but I think there are cases like if you're a high net worth user or even you have sensitive data or things like that that you care about right that I think yeah you should be worried about. even email right multi-factor authentication sometimes is worrisome as well, right It's things which you can't completely secure. On
2: it on your own. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. That most of the organizations that I'm MFAing with um, offer an option. Could be, for example, a token that you have, Um, it could be the authenticator app, could be a text, could be an email. And they offer the consumer the choice at this point, uh, probably just trying to make it easy for somebody to opt in with something. But there are obviously some that are more secure than others. And I, I spoke earlier about the the awareness of uh, some consumers, especially high net worth uh, individuals, um, becoming more cyber aware. And the specific attack that I, I was thinking about is SIM swapping. And it's, be, I, you know, I know a gentleman that's been um, SIM swapped three times, mm. you know, um, and it's, you know, he he described it as he, he was on an airplane. He got off the airplane, his phone wouldn't work, right? Mm. And it just took him days to get back online. It was maddening, scary. Um, and primarily done through social engineering where they contact the the the, the mobile Provider, carrier yeah and, and convince them that they are you and that you need a new sim And it's just that is so scary
1: yeah they yeah, made it so easy to port numbers as well that that's also another common vector
2: what does that mean to port a number does that mean to change carriers yeah to change carriers
0: Okay. And so basically instead of just doing a SIM swap, they just pretend to be you and port your number to another carrier. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's not good. These bad guys (laughs) are really bad, man. (laughs) I think that's something we can all agree on. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, so like I, I, I have multiple accounts where, so like, like Gmail. Okay. Gmail. It's very specific on what authenticator systems that you use and you can disable ones that you don't want to use. Specifically, you can disable SMS authentication. But my credit union, uh, it supports all of them. And I, I suppose the only way to disable SMS-based authentication is to delete my cell phone from the account. But that's just weird. But change it to you like a mean? mobile number.
1: Or sorry, to the home number. Right? If yeah. your credit union allows you to say, is this a cell phone or a, or a mo- or a home number? Yeah. I'm sure if you select a home number, it won't send you SMSs.
0: But what's a home, what's a home number? A landline, right?
1: <laughs> a landline, an old school. Land. Like I've I know I've seen places where it's like, is this a home number or is this a cell phone number? Right.
0: Interesting. Uh, so, so I'm curious, Mark. What do you if you're? So I know you know as a person dedicated to backup. There's you know I have sort of my top five of like these are things. And and by the way, on your podcast, the first like my biggest one you and I talked about was the the, the, the idea that cloud stuff is automatically backed up, yeah. which it isn't. Right. right. Um, if, if somebody were to say that, you know, what are the top five things that I need to be concerned about uh, as a, you know, either personally or, or it sounds like personally you're thinking MFA. Um, I, I would say that's
2: just a, a, a best practice personally or for, for companies um, and it, companies have a little bit, More sophisticated tools at their disposal, so they can push an MFA depending on you know the user behavior. Are they logging in from a new location? Are they logging in from another country? Is there some kind some kind of anomalous behavior? This you know Mark never accesses (laughs) these files. Now he's downloading downloading gigabytes of finance records. Uh, I think we're going to force an MFA on that, right? Um, So I think. MFA is kind of a foundational thing uh, for individuals or organizations. I think some other best practices for, for individuals, uh, again, and uh, would be backup to ensure that your information is backed up. I I don't know if you guys have seen these, uh, (laughs) 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 Mr. Backup gives me a thumbs up.
0: (laughs) I'm very excited about that. Double thumbs up from Mr. Backup. Very excited about that.
2: Um, The, you know, do you, have you guys get these emails that say, hey, you know, um, I'm sorry to tell you, but I've been spying on you for the last couple of months. And, uh, you know, and if you don't send this money to whatever, I'm going to release this stuff, this, you know, this thing of you going to these inappropriate websites. And they send these emails out to thousands of people. And some people, because they know that some people be like, right. oh my God, I, I, I should pay this, right? <laughs> well, you should, you should, for one, if you get that email. Delete it. <laughs> I don't care what sites right. you've been going to. It's just a, they're just fishing. Um, and two, if you've got your stuff backed up, you don't have to worry about anybody encrypting anything. Now, if they're going to release stuff, um, that is another thing from malware is if they take your records, even though you've backed them up, if they're going to release something that you don't want released to the public, that's a whole nother discussion. But definitely you should back up um, antivirus, running an antivirus is, is, is you know, super important. Um, what else as a, as a consumer, just being aware and pausing when you see something that looks a little off, anytime somebody says, Hey, um, there's a problem with your account. We need you to log in and no, just stop. (laughs) Or, Oh, your, your order for $15,000 from Amazon is on its way, you know, and you're like freaking out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: Like if you didn't expect it, don't click it.
2: Exactly. That's, that's a perfect way to say it. I like that. Didn't expect it. Don't click it. And I mean, you know, obviously you can, you can, you know, because you can look at the, uh, the sender's real, real address and see, is this something real? Read it. Is a lot of this stuff, you know, they've got shoddy grammar, you know, fuzzy images, but people get worked up. I mean, you guys, I'm sure you've seen the ones where um, you get an email from the CEO. Hey, Mark, I need you to run out and buy 50 gift cards for Target and send, you know, uh, you know, And this happened to one of my boys uh, who was working as an internship for the cybersecurity company that I was working with before, which the company is Atiquest. The CEO of AdAquest his name is Hiram Machado. And um, it was like my son's third day into his internship and he got an email saying, hey, um, you know, Makai, M- 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 I need you to run out. And buy um, $500 worth of gift cards from Target. And um, I need you to, once you have that, just let me know. And I'll tell you what we're going to do with them. But I need this for this event we're doing this afternoon. And so, Makai, again, again, telling you the kids are getting smarter these days. Uh, Hopefully. (laughs) Not the ones in University of Michigan, I guess. That was 2016. Um, He emailed me and he goes, what should I do with that? And I said, send it. I said, we're going to use this as a case study and a learning example. Don't do anything with it, you know. Um, But yeah. I don't know. What, 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 what advice would you guys give?
0: Uh, I mean, I, the, that stuff's all, all good. I think, um, the, you know, you talked about hovering over the site to see the site. What I generally say is if you get an unexpected communication from somebody you actually do business with, right. Cause I, I get stuff like that my Citibank card has been compromised. I'm like, I haven't had a Citibank card in like 20 years. So right. that's been pretty good. But, <clears throat> I get, um, I, I've gotten fished from like PayPal, um, you know, stuff like that, or not from PayPal, but, you know, it's, it's a Pretend, PayPal. People pretending thing. to be PayPal. Yeah. Pretending, pret- pretending to be PayPal. Um, it is if you are actually concerned, if it sounds like something that, that might be real, go to paypal.com. Don't interact in any way with that email. Go to paypal.com or contact PayPal's phone number. Not anything listed in that in that email. Um, it's interesting, though. There are times when I, in fact, just a couple of days ago, I got contacted by a, a company that I do business with. And they were, it was a credit card company. Mm-hmm. And they, they were like, you know, we're such and such from such and such credit card company. And we want to call to verify charges. And I'm like, well, how about I freaking verify you? Like (laughs) brand new dude. Show me your badge. Show You know, they will, we want to authenticate. We want to authenticate you uh, before we talk to you about account. I'm like, well, how do I authenticate you? Mm -hmm. Why do you people still think this is like, like, I will call. Thank you. Thank you for calling. I will call the 800 number on. and, And by the way, it was a real thing. Um, I will call the 800 number on my credit card, and I will ask for the fraud department. And it was a real thing, but that that's annoying that that happens, right? Uh, because that is a that is a phishing no. way, right? Absolutely, um, yeah. I mean, and uh, in,
2: in people people think that um, all cyber attacks are through email or somehow somebody's getting into your network. Some of them is just a phone call. Yeah, uh, you know, I've I've been called by. The IRS, <laughs> the tax, whatever. And, and yeah, is this Mr. Schreiner? Yes, um, we have an urgent matter that we need to talk to you about. Um, uh, really? And I, I sometimes i just like, where is this going to go? Because I know at one point <laughs> they're going to ask me for social security, date of birth, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. What, what's going on? They're like, well, uh, before we can go any further, we need to get some information from you. And typically the smart ones, they won't go right to social security. Just say like they'll say like I just want to confirm that your name is blah blah blah. They got your name right. I'm like yeah, yeah that that's me and that you're living at yeah yeah yeah. And so now I'm starting to to respond to them right. And right. then as sooner or later they're like okay and then so um can we give us, give us the year of your date of birth you know and you're like and, and and they just start to the good ones start to tease it out of you because they're right. like if they come first first thing to ask you is social security people are like whoa but you down there and then you know they build a rapport. And it, that's, that's what they're always looking for.
1: Yeah, it feels like yeah. they have that information already. So it's like, okay, what's this one more piece of information? we' doing We're
0: doing it just to verify that yeah. we're talking to the right person. Exactly. Right?
1: Well, and it's funny because yeah. I remember when my dad retired, like he'd always get all these calls from like scammers or salespeople, right? And I'd be like, you guys should just chat with them. It's like, what do you have to lose? <laughs> just don't give them any information, but at least you're saving you them. You're yeah. retired. They're willing to talk to you. Exactly. And at least you're saving someone else from having... To get a call, right? So
0: <laughs> right. There's don't click on the emails. Like just just again, if you think it's actually from PayPal, then go to PayPal.com. Yeah. And, Not anything with that. Go ahead.
1: And one of the points Mark made earlier around social engineering, I think people also just should just be careful what they post online. Right? If you're like putting facebook messages or tweets right hey careful we're leaving tomorrow for a three-week vacation (laughs) to the bahamas
2: you know yeah sorry no no no
1: no that's (laughs) totally the case right or it's like oh yeah Or you start inadvertently being like hey it's my birthday or it's like oh my mother so and so right and or favorite dog's name right and all the rest of this and people can take that information and they can use it for social engineering to extract other information from you
0: (laughs) colby <laughs> i know i know what your favorite dog's name is. <laughs> <laughs> why because he, he was more important than me i'm sorry i, I i'm are gonna let go bit, maybe a- dude i think he's he's really hurt man <laughs> Oh, he's, he's <laughs> damaged man <laughs> i went to il for you without you I'm just saying. <laughs> some really good food um yeah. So what, what about, what about companies? So we talked about, we talked about MFA. MFA. So there's two ways to, 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 talk about MFA. You should, as a company be offering MFA when people are interacting with your service online. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then you should, as a company, I, I like what you were talking about earlier. Um, Cause obviously um, by the way, I, I hadn't thrown out our, our, disclaimer. So Persona and I work for different companies, I work for Truva. He works for zoom and this is not a podcast of either company and the opinions that you hear are all ours. And, uh, be sure to rate us by the way, at uh, rate this podcast.com slash restore. And then, um, you know, if you want to come on and, you know, listen to me complain to persona yourself, live, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you could do that. Just, uh, <laughs> just <laughs> at WC Presson on Twitter or W Curtis Presson at Gmail. So, um, yeah. So, you know, with Druva, for example, you know, we, we've supported uh third party MFA for a while and that you know now we support native MFA. Uh if, if you're a company that if you're a cloud company or if you're a company that has that has information that is important like that and people are logging into your system without MFA, then bad, bad company. Mm-hmm. And 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 it should also not be SMS-based authentication. You should offer um, you know, authenticator method. And, um, uh, and I'm going to throw out, I'm going to throw out, please don't be a website that is hard to use a password manager with, <laughs> right? Don't be complaining about one or two of the character, the special characters that my password manager came up with, or uh, I had, I had one this week that complained. They're like, Hey man, your password's too long. It was 20 characters. <laughs> And they said you can do use a maximum of seventeen characters, and I'm like seventeen. Yeah, seventeen. That is um, so weird. And uh, <laughs> the um, so based on that, I no longer interact with the IRS. Yeah. <laughs> um, not... <laughs> but I also want to go uh, back
1: to a point Mark made earlier, <clears throat> which was that MFA I don't think solves everything. You still need those, especially as a business. You still need those other things to look for anomalies. Right for look to look at the behavior of the user because MFA will protect you to a certain extent, but it's not the only line of defense.
2: Oh yeah, I mean at the, at the corporate level, again the the complexity of the problem and the the, the complexity of the solutions available are much greater um, at the corporate level. I mean you you have things like. Um, Device management, for example, and these days everybody wants to BYOD. Uh, but you also have corporate devices, and, and but on my my own device, I'm going to have access to company apps and data. How does the company manage that? Well, there's mobile device management uh, tools out there um, that can. And if I lose my phone, I can tell the company, "Hey, I lost my phone." They can remote wipe their data. Um, you know, they can do remote backups, all of that stuff. They can they can check for anomalous behavior on a phone. Mark just logged in from Bellevue, but, <laughs> but he's also logging in from Romania. Hmm, something's wrong here, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, all that stuff. And it's, you know, depending on the size and the shape of the organization, it can be, you have sims to, to monitor all types of activity to collect your logs. Um, so that's, again, it comes back to that original point of why cybersecurity, because it's such a broad <laughs> field and there's so many different, it's constantly evolving. It's, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, um I I'm curious what you think about so one of the things I'm pushing out, outside of the backup space one of the things that I'm pushing people to do or companies to do is to look into a, a couple of different types of tools. One is we we've had we've had somebody on here from a company that does uh DDI, right? So mm-hmm. d, what, what did we say that was DNS, DHCP HCP and, and IPAM? And IPAM, yeah um and so the, the that those one group of tools which is like they can do things of like why is somebody going to this really why is why is something looking at a dns address that is um you know a dns name that is that is like 57 characters long and doesn't make any sense right that that is that is uh you know sure. a um Uh, Ransomware thing, reaching out for command and control. Um, That's number one. And number two, the type of software or system or whatever that can identify data leaks, right? So that that you, it's like there's a general level of outgoing, Mm -hmm. you know, traffic. And then suddenly there's this giant spike from Fred's desktop. (laughs) And Fred's no longer in the company. (laughs) Fred's on vacation. Exactly. Fred's on vacation because he posted on Facebook that he's in Maui this week. Um, And, you know, his laptop's doing that. What do you think about those two types of tools? I think, uh, depending on the situation, I mean, it's,
2: every tool has its appropriate usage. And and I think for for most companies, both of those make sense. Um, I mean, for... Both those tools make sense for for a lot of companies and organizations out there um, and the I guess the question I mean i, I again, I'm not technical I'm more at the kind of higher level understanding what the trying to understand what the problems are, putting together some solutions. One of the challenges is is that you have so many different vendors of so many different tools, and so do you look for these custom bespoke kind of solutions and tools, or do you do you work with a platform platform provider? For example, Microsoft, M365 has a lot of DLP tools in there. They have advanced threat protection. Um, They have antivirus, you know, anomaly detection. All of that's built in there. Um, So do you, and then device management as well, or do you um, say, no, we don't want to put all of our um, eggs in the Microsoft basket. We want to go for best in breed. And I I don't know. I mean, you know, persona, like (laughs) if, I don't know how much you can talk about at Zoom, but like, you know, how do you guys decide, you know, what kind of a tool are you going to go with a, an integrated approach or do you look for best in breed?
1: So, so I can't talk specifically about Zoom, but in general, right, I think it's going to come down to the need for a tool as well as the expertise. If I'm looking at sort of small, medium businesses where maybe they don't have specialized IT admins, We face the same thing in backup as well, right? There is no one who could go learn everything and anything about security tools. And so you're going to probably want a single tool that allows you to solve everything. Just like in backup, you sort of have those issues as well. Mm -hmm. But once you get to larger companies or if you have specialized problems, you might start to sort of uh, roll out into, okay, I now need a specialized tool, a best of breed tool because I have this special need or I now have the skill sets to be able to address some of these issues and therefore... I'm going to pick different t- tools based on my needs. And I think it's sort of hard to say one is better than another. I think it depends on where you are and what your needs are.
0: Yeah, and I, I would I would agree. I mean, and not just because I work for a SaaS company, <laughs> but I would agree that where, where there's a big business need that you have, such as email, clearly a, a business need, a need that every business has, um, that that if a SaaS solution is available and it's a, it's a well-known, respected, et cetera, solution that you can vet out, then from a security basis, I would prefer that over something that you're going to, let's say, I would prefer Microsoft 365 over Exchange on-prem in a heartbeat. Exchange on prem is harder to secure, it's harder to manage. So, you got to manage the the, the, the yeah. system, you got to manage the storage, then you got to manage the backup of that, and then you got to make sure that backup gets off site. All of that is easier if you have Microsoft 365, right? Um, now, you should be backing it up, right? Microsoft's not backing it up for you. That was what you and I talked on your podcast. Sure. But there are services, they will back up. Obviously, Druva Office is one, but there are uh, many companies that back up Microsoft 365. And so I I think from a security basis, as long as you vet the security vendor, um, you know, look at look for things like MFA, look for things like um, you know what their what their NDA situation is, the, the type of data that they have, whether or not they share personal information, because uh, some many of these SaaS vendors, that's actually their um, that's their business model is sure. their their. They're either cheap or free and they make up you know the their money with using your personal data that's that's a that's not what I'm recommending no, no. um it's interesting
2: you know when you talk about um, tool selection, I think another factor should be do you have the in-house expertise? Uh, and if you don't, how accessible is mm-hmm. it on the market? Because right now, depending on what tool you're trying to deploy, uh, it could be very challenging. I mean, you can you can get a mm-hmm. great deal. It's and that's interesting because what people will start talking about, well, how much is this per seed or per license? And and one of the things that you have to look at is what are your deployment costs gonna be and then what are your ongoing maintenance costs gonna be in terms of the the expertise to manage that. And that's that's something that often it doesn't come into play until after the, you know, they, they, they focus on the technology um, or the, the vendor, but not on the total cost of the deployment. And uh, I would encourage everybody to do that. Yeah.
1: And also yeah. along with the deployment, it's how flexible is it to change as your environment changes as well? I think some, some tools are very static. It's easy to deploy the first time, but anytime you add a new app or a new environment or something else, it becomes very difficult Right, or it's time consuming to get it to expand to now cover that new workload. Versus maybe it's better to get something that might be a little bit more complex for the initial deployment, but like you said, ongoing maintenance, ongoing monitoring, right? All the rest of that becomes a lot easier. Yeah, that, that's.
0: Of- I, I think that's why, from a security basis, I'm I'm a big fan of SaaS apps because you know you look at again in the backup space if you're if you're using an on-prem backup software, you must be up to date. Right on what you know. You you have both a a box, maybe multiple boxes, that are you know you might have a, a server, you might have a storage array, and um, that that you must be up to date on that operating system and protecting that operating, system, securing it, doing all of those things. Uh, I hope you have MFA on that backup <laughs> server, by the way. And then and then you've got the software, the backup software that you have to stay up on. And people are notoriously very bad at upgrading their backup software. That the the we, you know, we brought a guy over from Veritas and he told us that their best guess was that the average time that customers took to upgrade their backup software was 18 months.
1: <laughs> if it works, don't touch it. <laughs> People are
0: terrified of yeah. upgrading their backup, their backup server, right? Because it's the last line of defense. But the problem is backup, the problem is that ransomware folks uh specifically the content group are specifically targeting backup servers and so not only is it uh, you know m- you know something that that needs to be protected it it is a you know it is a direct attack point right so
2: um I, i'm i'm curious because we touched on consumers before uh what are your recommendations or suggestions for just individuals um to in terms of backing up their their personal data
0: uh, you know I'm going to sound like a broken record but SAS backup man okay uh th- there are there are SAS backup that was not one of them uh, th- th- there are SAS backup companies that target consumers and you're you know you're looking at like th- like 50 bucks a year that sort of thing um I, you know I, I I pay more than I would like to back up my iPhone like I pay for <laughs> I pay for iCloud so mm-hmm. that that's the, you know th- there's that uh, but but there are a number of services that will back up what's important to you, um, and specifically if if you've got a if you've got a laptop, right? Uh, and and let's be honest, you got a laptop. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's not that hard to get that laptop backed up. I am not a fan of using uh, USB devices to back up the laptop. I know it works. The problem is that that USB device is generally sitting right next to or in the same bag that the laptop itself is. You get a theft, there goes your backup. You get a fire, there goes your backup, right? So I much prefer, for the same reasons for the companies, I prefer a cloud-based system that will back up the most important stuff for you. And I'll disagree
1: with Curtis here. Okay. I, what? I, I, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Here we go. <laughs> right. I, I agree that to some extent, yes, SaaS-based is good.
0: I just muted your microphone persona.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Curtis. <laughs> I've right.
0: never done that. That
1: was fun. <laughs> I agree that there are certain things that you do, you, you want to use a SaaS-based service for. But if you're not willing to shell out or if you don't think you really need it, Take at least what's there with your existing uh, laptop, for instance. Like, If you have Time Machine, I know, Curtis, we've had the discussion about Time Machine in the past. You're not as thrilled about it. But if you do have a mechanism, use that mechanism rather than have nothing, right? I'd rather have someone uh, I, yeah. use something rather than being like, oh, do I want to pay $50 a year or whatever it is? Yes, those are better solutions, but take what you have and just do something.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with that. Uh, I mean, the only thing I will say is that hard drive that you, if you have the hard drive already, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying you just need to think about the fact that um, that hard drive is, you know, it, so do things like rotate. But yep. the problem is, you go biased. You go buy a, a modern hard drive to, to, you know, to back up your your system. Well, that's going to be a hundred bucks plus. Yep. Right. That's a couple of years of the service that I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. So just saying, yeah. just saying. Um, I get so, it. I get anyway. it. Yeah. What? I, I, yeah. Follow, I think yeah. the big
1: thing is just do something. Don't do nothing.
0: Yeah. I think we're saying that agree. for, I, th- I think that's our summary statement. Maybe we'll make that the title of the podcast. <laughs> just do something. Just,
2: it's kind of like the Nike thing, but, but just, 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 <laughs> just change it
0: <laughs> it to something.
2: Just, <laughs> just do something. Just, do, do something. something. It's not as inspiring <laughs> as it, but it's something. <laughs> it's just, I like it. Well, hey, I got to ask yeah. you guys something, uh, Um, you know, cause you asked me earlier. Uh, so uh, how did your, uh, the idea to do a podcast come about and, you know, and your friendship and I'm, you know, how did that work out?
0: Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I got, I got the idea of doing a podcast after being after going from like not believing in podcasts, like I didn't, I didn't get it. Like I didn't understand why anybody would do a podcast. And then I, and then I started listening to podcasts. I I, I got in a situation where they were valuable to me as a person. And I was like, huh, this, you know, I, I talk a lot. Maybe this would be something to do. And so, uh, and then I encountered persona in the office. He used to work at Druva. That's how, that's where I met him. And, uh, I went up to him and, uh, uh, I, I, I proposed the idea of us doing a podcast together because I, I thought that we had a, you know, a, a decent interaction, and Persona just jumped at the chance, didn't you, Persona?
1: I was like, "What are we going to talk about for twenty minutes? I have nothing yeah, we to t- talk about <laughs> at all. I don't know what you're talking about, Curtis."
0: Yeah, yeah, the yeah, it very quickly. So when, when did when did you guys launch minutes. it? About three years ago. I, I got to say that I feel um,
2: extremely uncredentialed um p- because I'm looking at Curtis's background and he's he's got diplomas or certificates or something. At least he's got books Whoa. there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's that's my book right there. Oh, it's yeah. your book. A little product Behind placement me. there on the shoulder. Yeah. A little, right. just a little bit. I mean it's it's a very small so it's not that good of a product placement. But um uh, yeah. Anyway subliminal. Mm-hmm. subliminal. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um so uh all right. Well well thanks a lot. Uh, Mark, for coming on the podcast. Hey, this has been awesome. I I (laughs) don't
2: uh, get a chance to be on too many other podcasts other than my own. And um, I've really, really enjoyed this. You guys are awesome and funny and obviously very um, deep subject matter experts in this
0: area. So um, I've enjoyed it. And, and, and unlike being on your podcast, you can now just leave and yeah. then I have to. <laughs> See you guys. Yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> when are
2: you going to get this edited, Curtis? Yeah. When is it going to go online, man? Yeah. I mean, oh, come on, yeah, man. Exactly. It's already, you know, Thursday. It's like... Exactly. <laughs>
0: so. Thanks, Prasanna. Uh, you, know, you know, even though you ditched me. I'm
1: sorry, Curtis.
0: <laughs> and, um, and I'm sorry
1: I disagreed with you about Saz. But yeah, do something. Yeah,
0: whatever. Whatever. <laughs> okay. All right. And thanks, thanks to the Mark. listeners. <laughs> yeah make sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all